With COVID-19, this is the first time in a century that a pandemic has brought collective grief to such a degree across the entire globe. More than 3 million people globally have died because of the virus, and many more have faced the pandemic side effects, such as hunger, unemployment, and depression. Whether it was a loved one or our way of life, many of us lost something because of COVID-19's effects, and we are all grieving in some way. Among all the chaos going on, we stopped and asked ourselves, what has the pandemic taught us about death? How has the pandemic made us reevaluate life? So we talked to a few experts to hear what they had to say about life, death, and grief amid the pandemic. I'm Julia Kim. I am Isabella Rocha. And I'm Elias Miller. Today we will hear from two religious leaders, a writer and a therapist, on their thoughts about death in the COVID-19 pandemic. The first person we spoke with was Pastor Randall Quackenbush of the Anchor Church in Boston. The church, which is eight years old, has a mostly young congregation. He said faith and science worked together to bring comfort during this pandemic. We wear a mask and we safely distance. And, and I know BU's done a really great job of that. And that's to their credit. Along with science, I feel like faith has a place in life because... Uh, science can't bring comfort. Science can't bring uh, peace. Science can bring a vaccine, which is awesome. But uh, I see no reason why faith and science can't run on parallel tracks with life. On the more clinical side of things, we talked to the therapist Litza Williams, who is one of the founders of What's Your Grief, an online platform that offers various resources, including courses, podcasts, and booklets for those who are grieving. Here's what she had to say about the fact of death during the pandemic. The older that we get, people are sort of more aware of how precious their time is, the time that they have left here. And I think one of the things that's really been hard for much older adults is that those are people who are ha very much saying things and have been thinking things like, I, only I might only have 10 healthy years left to travel, to spend time with my grandkids, to be here on this earth. And now I've spent 18 months of, you know, potentially it will be up to 18 months of that time not seeing family, not getting to travel, not getting to do, you know, I've retired and haven't been able to use some of this time to do those things. And then I think that that feels that grief that can come with the passage of time and the loss of time is being felt much more deeply for those who feel like they have less time left. We also talked to Reverend Panworths from Emanuel Church, an Episcopal left-leaning church in Back Bay, Boston. In our chat, Reverend Wernst talked about faith and life. I feel like, in general, the church spends too much time thinking about afterlife and not enough time about, like, this life. Because we just don't know what the afterlife is, but we actually do know what this life is. And, and I think it matters how we behave and how we treat each other uh, before death. And if people find comfort thinking about their loved one being, like, in a place, I think that's okay. I mean, I don't know. I just don't, I just feel like I don't know. I'm an agnostic priest when it comes to a lot of things. And our last chat was with Marianne O'Hara, the author of the book Little Matches, A Memoir of Grief and Light, dedicated to her daughter, Caitlin. She had died waiting for a lung transplant when she was 33 years old during a lifelong battle with cystic fibrosis. 
O'Hara also lost her mother during the pandemic, but not because of COVID. She shared with us her own experience of mourning for a loved one. I did discover that the timeline of grief is not linear. Before I lost Caitlin, I thought, oh, if somebody had lost a child like 10 or 20 years before, they must be doing okay by now. And I never, I, until I lost her, I, I didn't really realize, no, you're never okay. You're never going to be the same. And that's okay. Grief can coexist with light and joy and all the other human emotions because it kind of has to. Along that line, Williams spoke to the collective grief that she has noticed in those she's helped and how their support systems have been affected in turn. I think in some ways, a lot of people are feeling that their grief has sort of been lost or minimized because so many people are going through something. So we've seen people feel like, my support system is so taxed by the things that they're dealing with personally that they maybe haven't been as responsive or able to check in with me or as much or as attentive to my loss because they're dealing with their own stuff. We know that so much comes from feeling like you have a good support system. And during this period, people have just felt more disconnected from their support system, less able to reach out. Reverend Wentz also spoke to this idea. I think human beings want to be together to mourn, even though once we're together, everyone still feels just as lonely as they've ever been. Because the experience of mourning is really an isolating experience. And so we try to get together and we try to comfort each other. And in most families, that works well for about five or ten minutes. And then people start getting on each other's nerves. I, I feel like like some of the some of the families that have gone ahead with um, memorial services on Zoom. It seems weird to gather that way, but they've actually done the, the morning work. They haven't gotten physically together, and maybe that's a good thing. They can hold it together, they can be on Zoom, and then they're not still, like after the funeral, they're back at, they're in their own places and not dealing with the family dysfunction. Another current theme millions have seen is guilt. As COVID-19 restrictions were put in place, many people were unable to say goodbye to their loved ones or be there through their health decline. I think the other huge thing that we've seen in terms of people who are grieving deaths that have happened is just a much greater level of guilt uh, because of not having maybe been able to go into the hospital or into a hospice or a care facility to see the person before they died, not having been able to go visit them or, you know, be able to spend that time together. And that is something that has really affected the work that we're doing with people who are grieving is that I think there's just a lot more guilt to unpack there that people are trying to figure out how to reconcile that in many ways they had no control over that. O'Hara felt the guilt following the death of her own mother. She was able to see her mother on the last few days, but by then she was already unconscious. I felt so bad for my mother. She, she very quickly started to fail last, early last winter like February of 2020, and clearly needed care. Like we couldn't lift her. And she went into a care center that was really lovely and nice. And then COVID came and we couldn't visit her. It was heartbreaking. And we all, you know, we're waving through the windows, but talking through phones, it was, it was heartbreaking. And every time I think of somebody 
who literally died of COVID with nobody in the room, it, I, I can really imagine what that would feel like. And it's a really frightening, lonely, terrible feeling. Reverend Warren shared some of the advice she offers her congregation when they are figuring out just how to cope with the loss of a loved one. The beloved person is now dead. I would say to the survivor, tell them what you would have told them if you had a chance. Write it down, say it out loud, like go into a room by yourself, go take a walk, like have, say the words, write the words, write a letter to that person. It's not too late for you to say the things that you need to say. Out of sight, out of mind. That's how many of us meet the prospect of our own death and especially that of our loved ones. O'Hara told us there's so much we can do while we're alive to make that process easier. It's not fun, but it doesn't need to take long or take over your life. I, I do think that our culture doesn't treat death with as much respect as it deserves. We over-prepare for birth and we completely underprepare for death. And consequently, people are scrambling at the end and blindsided by it. Caitlin didn't even have a will. After her passing in the middle of all the grief, we had to deal with her little estate, which had to go to probate. And it was, you know, all this stuff that's not fun to deal with, and especially when you're grieving. And also people don't think about, do I want aggressive treatment? Do I want to be stuck full of tubes at the end of my life? You know, if you just think about those things, think about how you might want to leave <laughs> leave the, this earthly plane. Um, it, it can take off, take a lot of, alleviate a lot of stress, I would say. But as much as we try to prepare, Williams said that death will always feel unpredictable. I think, I, I hope actually that it's taught us that we we can't control death in the way that we often want to. And I'm a huge supporter of the fact that we should have conversations with family. We should absolutely know what we would want at the end of our lives, lives in terms of care and support and all of that. And you can plan all day long. And that doesn't mean that that is how your death is going to happen. Oftentimes that want to talk about a good death and advanced planning and, you know, it's wanting to get control over something that's terrifying, right? Death is unknown and it's terrifying and it's all of those things. So we should still do all of those things and we should still remember that the world is unpredictable and that even if we do the best job planning, sometimes those plans are not going to be the reality. And it doesn't mean that we've failed. Williams and Pastor Quackenbush also reminded us that death is not the end, but rather the continuation of a lifelong relationship and that we should take our time when we lose a loved one. And O'Hara said that we can still have a life and find joy while we grieve. Remember that what we know about grief now is that we grieve in some way forever. If somebody meant something to you and you loved them, that absence is always going to be felt in your life in some way. It'll evolve, it'll change, but grief is how we figure out how to have a relationship with a person who's died. And so to give yourself the space to do that and know that it'll just be an ongoing process. And if you need support, 
to find support, that there's wonderful resources and counselors and websites and you know places, online communities that you can go and, and find that support if you need it. Our culture in America uh, typically does not have a season of mourning and grieving like other cultures. Uh, I think of uh, cultures in the, in the Mideast, for example, that those family members will wear black for maybe a year. And, and, but we, our culture is so fast paced. We're always moving ahead. Um, and I would say, you know, take the time to, to grieve. I, if you, if it means, you know, getting off, you know, taking time off of your job or, or whatever it might be, um, take time to mourn your loss. On your grief, know that it's it's your own. No one can tell you how to grieve. Grieve for as long as you need to. Grieve forever if you need to. But don't forget that life has good in it always. I really believe that. And it's there to be found and it can live with the grief. Laughing and having fun with one loved one doesn't mean you no longer grieve or miss the one that you lost. The pandemic has had infinite effects on life as we know it, but beyond grief, it's brought a new appreciation for life. Pastor Quackenbush and O'Hara shed some light on how not all changes were negative and how the only thing now is to keep going. But COVID is just, uh, it's been this new layer of uh, reality for everyone that life is precious. Uh, the friends, family that we have, we should cherish, make the most of every day. I think it's brought let's live life to the fullest every day and really appreciate and value treasure those in our life uh, not take it for granted and uh but it's it's also um you know it's been very uh, sobering as well people i think have a different outlook than they did say 14 15 months ago before before the pandemic i think it behooves people to sort of take us take a step back and really picture their little blink in time and, and what they're really here to do. And to accept the fact that, yeah, you're gonna die and it's okay. And not to dwell on it, but to at least think about it and acknowledge that it's coming. And in that way, you can maybe make your life better day to day than it otherwise might be. You know, I know a lot of people who are on the treadmill and really don't think beyond the blinders. Reverend Werns, preaches to her congregation the ways in which her faith informs her approach to life and death with love. I would say this pandemic has been a, like a billboard size reminder that we don't know how long any of us has to live. And that's always true. It's always true. But the pandemic has really put it in our face. But as long as we continue to focus on love and behave in loving ways, that we're going to be okay in the end, you know, whatever the end is. Uh, one of the things I say to the congregation fairly often is, if it's not okay, then it's not the end. Because in the end, it's going to be okay. Thank you for listening to today's podcast on life, death, and grief. Take care of yourselves and of each other.